The Treehouse of Liberty podcast is hosted by Jason Fornwald and comes to you from the bright red western corner of the bright blue state of Maryland. Hello again, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to the Tree House of Liberty podcast. I am your host, Jason Fornwalt, and I want to thank you guys right off the bat. We were able to double our previous record listener total last week, which was pretty awesome. Uh, I have to give a lot of credit to Bren for that. It was our first uh, audio listener commentary that she did last week, and it was very, very cool. Um, I'm still using the phrase that she kind of coined last week in describing the Green New Deal. She called it economic Armageddon. And I don't think she could possibly have described it better. So I appreciate you, Brandon, not only helping me out with that and giving me the new slogan, but, uh, you know, I'm sure your friends tuned in to hear you and for the extra listenership that you got us there. Thank you so much for that. It was absolutely awesome. And I hope you guys will continue to share the podcast with your friends if you like it. Obviously, uh, if you don't like it, you're not tuning back in. So those of you that are, if you could share it with your friends, that would be absolutely awesome. I would definitely appreciate that. Wanted to let you guys know, too, that I have started a Treehouse of Liberty Facebook page. Oddly enough, the title is the Treehouse of Liberty Podcast. You can look it up there on Facebook. Uh, if you'd like to send me a message or make a comment about the show, I would love to hear anything that you have to say, whether it's positive or negative, whether you agree with me or you don't. In fact, if you don't agree me- with me, I'd probably like to hear your opinion more just so we can get some back and forth and get some other perspectives going in here. Um, you can reach me there at the Facebook page. You can still reach me at my personal page as well. My personal page is Jason Fornwalt. My last name is F as in Frank, O-R-N as in Nancy, W-A-L-T as in Tom. You can also shoot me an email if that's your preference. Email address is J.D. Fornwalt. Again, it's F as in Frank, O-R-N as in Nancy, W-A-L-T as in Tom at gmail.com. You probably noticed that we updated the profile picture here on Anchor as well. If you thought you had tuned into the wrong place, you haven't. Unfortunately, you are still here, stuck with me, and whether you like it or not, I certainly appreciate it. I want to get right into the Nicholas Sandman case. I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with this, but Nicholas Sandman is the kid that was confronted in D.C. by the American Indian Nathan Phillips, beating his war drum in Nicholas's face. Um, they were also confronted by black Hebrew Israelites down there. They called them every possible name in the book, including incest, babies, crackers. I mean, you name it. They hurled every slur at these kids that they possibly could. Um, unfortunately, most of the major media outlets in the United States took this story and ran with it and said that Nicholas was being the aggressor, that he and his classmates were all making fun of this poor old American Indian gentleman who is a Vietnam vet. He's not, by the way, um, and given him a hard time and that they were the ones being the aggressors. Now, if I could find the, the raw footage of what actually happened down there on YouTube, you know, certainly major media outlets, the Washington Post, CNN, NBC, CBS, others all have access to that as well. It doesn't take a whole hell of a lot of effort to do your homework and report a story correctly. And unfortunately, a lot of these major organizations did not do that. And therefore, they're going to be having lengthy courtroom conversations with both Nicholas Nicholas and his attorney, Lynn Wood, in some courtrooms here in the very near future. Uh, He's got a lawsuit against the Washington Post for defamation for $250 million. He's got a lawsuit against CNN for defamation for $250 million. 
$50 million. And frankly, I hope he wins both cases and he gets the full amount. Um, we've seen far too many times in this country inaccurate media reporting, and I think deliberate inaccurate media reporting that has led to disaster after disaster. Um, and if you don't know what I'm talking about, let's take the Ferguson, Missouri case, for example. I personally watched CNN report that Michael Brown had been shot in the back and that he had his hands up. And of course, it led to the giant nationwide movement, hands up, don't shoot. I also took the time to do my homework and figure out what really happened there. You know, it seems like CNN and these other organizations run with a story when they've only got one side of the story. You know, I spent some time in journalism myself, and you're taught to always make sure that you have both sides. At least make the attempt to speak with both sides, because if you don't, you don't have a story. You know, how often do you see these shooting cases that the news agency says, you know, and here's what the police department had to say about the situation, or we reached out to the police department for comment and they refused. Demonstrate that you're making the effort, and we avoid a lot of these problems. But in Ferguson, we were told that Mike Brown shot in the back and had his hands up. That's not what the autopsy result showed. The autopsy result showed gunshot residue on his hands. Now, I don't know if any of you out there have a, a law enforcement background or studied criminal justice at all or have any familiar with these types of cases, but there's only one way you can have gunshot residue on your hands, and that's if your hands are in extremely close proximity to a weapon when it is being fired. Mike Brown was shot because he was attempting to take Officer Darren Wilson's weapon. That's a deadly force situation. Mike Brown is dead because he deserves to be. You know, I hate the loss of life of any young man, but by damn, if I'm a police officer and you're trying to take my gun and I have the opportunity to shoot you, guess what? I'm going to shoot you. And I'm going to go home at night. And that's what happened. You know, you look at the, the George Zimmerman case with Trayvon Martin. You know, Trayvon Martin's painted as this little kid, minding his own business. He's got his tea and Skittles. And he's just going for a walk. You know why he was shot? Because he was bouncing George Zimmerman's skull off the curb. And you probably don't know that because very few outlets reported that. But here's a tip. Bang my skull off of a curb repeatedly? I'm going to shoot you. That's a deadly force situation. If I have the opportunity to double tap you, you're going down. And you should. I mean, it's just ridiculous. We were told that six police officers beat the crap out of Freddie Gray in the back of a police van in Baltimore. Is that what happened? No. Freddie Gray tried to flee from the police, and when he got tackled, he broke his neck. Do I want to see him die? Should he die over a decision like that? If I'm God, do I want to see him leave this earth because he made one bonehead decision? Hell no. But at the same time, I also don't want to see those officers prosecuted for something that they didn't do. And all six were acquitted, by the way, as they well should have been. But, you know, it's like these cases aren't presented the way they actually happen. There's no effort to contact law enforcement. There's no effort to talk to the police department or the department attorney. 
you know, and it's 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 a shame that Ferguson, Missouri burned to the ground because of false information being reported by the American media. Step up, have some accountability, take some responsibility, demonstrate that you understand what journalism even is. If you don't have both sides of the story, you've got nothing, and that works both ways. There were some breaking developments this week on a story that I reported on last week, and that was the FBI investigation into both Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton. Um, Representative Doug Collins, a Republican from Georgia, made an absolutely heroic decision this week, in my opinion, and decided to release the testimony of Lisa Page, who is an FBI agent who was involved in both of those investigations, to the public. What we found out there was that Peter Strzok, who is the agent in charge of both investigations, actually referred to the uh, Trump-Russia collusion case as an insurance policy. An insurance policy to keep Donald Trump from being president, president of the United States. Now, they thought there was very little chance that Trump would be elected anyway. But they held this BS investigation in their back pocket to use as an insurance policy to make sure they could remove him in the event that that unlikely event actually occurred, which obviously it did. You know, I talked about living in a police state last week, you know, and we see it time and time again with these hideous violations by the FBI, with their awful, horrendous bias, blatant bias against Donald Trump and for Hillary Clinton, against Republicans and for Democrats. Again, that's the stuff of Nazi Germany. That's the stuff of the old USSR. You know, you expected the government to take care of candidates in those cases to protect the party. You know, that's not something that you expect to see in the United States of America, and it's sad, pathetic, and disgusting that it does. The FBI needs a complete overhaul from top to bottom. And again, yes, I am talking about the rank-and-file agents. If they know about these cases, they don't speak up, they don't blow the whistle, they don't do something, they're complicit. And there's no excuse for it. If you are not there to seek justice 100% of the time, no matter what letter follows somebody else's name, you do not belong there, period, end of story. It's ridiculous. And the bias showed from the beginning of both of these investigations. The Trump investigation was called Crossfire Hurricane. The Clinton investigation, midterm exam. Are you kidding me? Crossfire Hurricane for one guy? Midterm exam for Hillary? That alone shows you where the bias is. You know, and Paige apparently shows no remorse for what she and Peter Strzok did, for the bias that they showed, and for what the FBI did. In fact, she said, quote, if I had this to do over again, I wouldn't write shit down, end quote. You know, she's not upset about what she did. She's upset that she got caught. (laughs) Of course, they were told what to do by the Obama Justice Department. You know, right in her testimony, she said the FBI was told not to charge Hillary Clinton 
by the Obama DOJ. Who was the head of the Obama DOJ at the time? Attorney General Loretta Lynch. As we discussed last week, who got on the plane to talk to Bill Clinton, you know, while this investigation was still going on? Attorney General Loretta Lynch. Are you starting to draw the line yet? Are you starting to see what actually happened here? I know you won't hear it anywhere else. As the propaganda wing of the Democrat Party, better known as CNN, CBS, NBC, MSNBC, CNBC, etc., 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 does their best to cover for and take care of the Democrat Party. I mean, it's absolutely ridiculous. The bias is so abundantly clear. And if our media would do any kind of a job reporting things correctly, again, finding out both sides and reporting the truth, we wouldn't have this problem in the United States. There wouldn't be the conflict and confrontation that there is. You know, if everybody had the same opportunity like you do listening to this podcast and say, damn, wow, you know, stuff like that really shouldn't be happening. And I think the majority of the American people are intelligent enough to make that decision. If they're not presented with the information, they can't. Well, the information's out there. You know, it's a matter of people taking the time to go find it. You know, which I don't hold my breath on that a whole lot either. But that's one of the reasons that I really enjoy being able to bring you guys this podcast and this information. Because I do have the opportunity to present to you the things that I've found. You know, and hopefully give you some kind of idea of what's actually going on behind the scenes. You know, and either reaffirm the things that you think or, or cause you to question them a little bit. You know, I, I think if at any point we stop questioning our own positions, we stop growing. Um, you know, I've certainly learned more from people that I disagree with than people that I agree with. You know, I don't want to surround myself with yes men and yes women. I want those people that it will, will challenge my way of thinking. And sometimes they may change my mind, sometimes they don't. But if they make me think, I appreciate that. And I certainly hope this show makes you think. So I guess you can't very well host a show like this without discussing the college admission scandal that broke this week. Um, apparently there's been a lot of paper play going on where celebrities and uh, other wealthy and important people have been basically purchasing uh, access and admission into some of the nation's uh, leading institutions. Um, it's kind of funny. This doesn't really surprise me a whole lot. Um, you know, as far as I'm concerned, I always thought that wealthy people and famous people were getting their kids access to colleges that they really didn't deserve to be going to. That being said, you know, bribery on every on any level in any situation uh, is definitely wrong, and in most cases it's a crime, and obviously it is in this case as well, or the FBI wouldn't be investigating it the way they are. But I think a lot of the attention has been brought to the forefront because of the people that are involved. Um, you know, without Laurie Lachlan, without Felicity Huffman, you know, is this really a story? Um, you know, certainly there are legacy admissions at most of our institutions of higher learning, you know, where 
family members have gone to a certain school for generations. They've donated X number of dollars to the university during that time. Uh, you know, maybe they have an endowment or they, you know, in some cases they've even bought, built a wing, you know, of a university. Um, you know, and certainly those, the, the kids of those parents are, are certainly going to get preferential treatment. And I think we've all just kind of accepted that. Um, and now all of a sudden this story comes along and, you know, apparently we're dealing with something that we've never experienced before. Um, like I said, it's wrong. And it's wrong not just because of using wealth and notoriety to purchase influence. It's wrong because anytime a student attends a school that shouldn't be there, they are necessarily bumping a student that should be there and that deserves to be there. And that's a problem, obviously. And it's something that we need to address in every situation that I think we encounter that. One of the ones that's always frustrated me um, is affirmative action. You know, um, I understand that people like to say there's historical reasons for it. I get it. You know, we, we can have uh, institutions of higher learning that are, you know, 97, 98, 99% black because of what's happened in our history. Okay, fine. That's all, all well and good. Um, but in a situation where you know, a lesser qualified African-American student, Hispanic student, Asian student, Native, Native American student, American Indian student, that actually is the correct term. Everybody else says Native American. I'm a Native American and I'm a white guy, so uh, American Indian. Um, you know, every time somebody is admitted to a university based on what they look like or has a scholarship set aside for them based on what they look like, you know, here again, we're potentially taking away uh, a position from a different colored student who might have deserved that more. You know, and, and we don't look at that that way. You know, that's just socially acceptable to us. Well, yeah, you know, some white kids are going to get discriminated against, but slavery. Um, you know, some white kids are going to get discriminated against, but, you know, whatever. Uh, segregation, you know. Um, but it's frustrating because what we end up with is we end up with a generation of people paying for the sins of the past. You know, do we do we lock up O.J. Simpson's kids because his dad cut somebody's head off? You know, of course not. So I don't understand why people who had nothing to do with the atrocities that exist in the history of this country end up being the ones that have to pay for it. You know, discrimination is discrimination, whether it's based on wealth and fame, whether it's based on skin color, whether it's based on your sex, whether it's based on your sexual preference. It's all wrong, <laughs> you know, and I hope this will open up the bigger conversation about why students are being bumped from certain universities. And I think having affirmative action as a nationwide policy is certainly a much bigger scandal you know, than these 800 or so parents that got their kids into schools that shouldn't have been there. You know, it, it frustrates me to see racism in any form and, and discrimination in any form. You know, I understand, you know, th this country is, is in the midst of a great makeup call, I like to say. Um, will anything ever erase the, the past? Will anything ever make slavery go away? No. Will it ever make the way African-Americans were treated during segregation go away? Of course not, you know? And 
a lot of those folks are still alive today. You know, I mean, there are, there are people alive that experience segregation. And it makes me sick, you know. I mean, when I, it, when I talk to an elderly African-American person, male or female, that's up there in age a little bit, you know, I mean, it crosses my mind sometimes that, you know, my God, there was a time that we wouldn't have been able to have this conversation. There was a time that we wouldn't have been able to, to sit in the same section of a restaurant, drink from the same water fountain, use the same bathroom. It's disgusting. It's embarrassing. You know, it's a, it's a sad part of the history of a truly great nation. And yes, you can be truly great even with those enormous black eyes that we do have. But you will never convince me that the solution to discrimination is more discrimination. You know, we look back at our past and, and we say, look, you know, we absolutely mistreated these people. We discriminated against them because of what they look like. And that was a horrible and awful thing to do. So what we're going to do now is we're going to cater to them, which in turn means that we're going to discriminate against the people that don't look like them. You know, at what point do we examine the Constitution's requirement of equal protection under the law and say, you know what, by damn, we're all Americans. Let's take away the hyphens. Let's judge each other on the content of our character and not the color of our skin. You know, the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., <laughs> Where is he today? You know, who is that person that's taken up, truly taken up his mantle today? Where's the person who's not driving the wedge? Where's the person who's not looking for preferential treatment? All Dr. King wanted was to be on equal ground, on equal footing, to be an equal American. How can you not get behind that position? You know, if there was a black leader out there today discussing current events the way, the way Dr. King did, sign me up. Let me be a part of your cause. Amen, brother. Let me shake your hand and stand behind you and march with you. You know, but it's like now our, our quote-unquote black leaders are out there, you know, trying to make it look like all white cops are horrible and... You know, I mean, this this country's never done anything good, and we've never been able to move past the sins of our past, and that we don't give opportunities to everybody. And we do. We absolutely do. You know, this country is by no means perfect. If it was, I wouldn't have anything to talk about for a half an hour every week. But by the same token... <laughs> I can't think of anybody else that does a better job of providing opportunities to everyone within its borders than we do. And at what point do we stop and say, okay, you're not African American, you're not Hispanic American, you know, you're not this, you're not that, all these things that divide us. The first black this, the first Asian that, the first Hispanic this, the first female that, the first gay this. All those things that divide us. When are we going to set them aside? When are we going to put our hands in each other's and form a giant freaking circle of all different colors, of all different sexes, of all different sexual preferences, of all different religions? Call ourselves Americans. Compete in a friendly way with each other for what we want. Competition makes everybody better. Preference makes everything worse whether you're buying it, you know, whether you're using your fame to get it, 
whether it's your skin color, whether it's your sex, whether it's your sexual preference, whatever it is, dividing us will always make us worse. And so I hope we can have that bigger conversation. You know, why are some kids getting into school and why are some kids being left behind? Is it because of what they look like? And when it is, like I said, at what point do we say, okay, you know, it's time for us to live up to that standard, that constitutional requirement of equal protection under the law. And it's funny, every time I've discussed this topic this way, invariably the subject ends with the person that I'm talking to saying, well, Jason, you're just a racist. Which is kind of the be-all to end-all in these conversations, you know. It's like nobody can have a logical argument. If you disagree with me, you're a racist. So I would like to put the following challenge out there. If I'm wrong, if my position is racist, and you can prove that to me with your listener commentary, I will give you 20 minutes of next week's 30-minute show. 20 minutes. If you can show me how affirmative action is not discriminatory, I'll give you 20 minutes of next week's 30-minute show. Further, if you can do that without using the words slavery, segregation, or history, I'll give you 25. So basically, I'll do an intro and an outro, and the rest of the show is yours. I just want equality. I just want us all to be treated the same way in every situation. I think Dr. King was right. If I'm wrong, tell me why. Before I bring this week's show to a close, I told you guys in the inaugural broadcast of the Treehouse of Liberty podcast that occasionally I would let you know about some of the paranormal investigations that I'm doing. It's been way too long since I've done one of these. You know, I really love to get out in the field and and get my hands dirty and get into something, and I've got the opportunity to do that tonight. Um... I'm going to a friend's house, uh, not far from my own, um, a house that was built in 1954, so not real old. Um, A lot of the homes around here are over 100 years old, and some of them have a lot of history and a lot of activity. Um, But I am very excited about this one. Bobby's a good friend of mine, and um, he has reported hearing uh, walking uh, steps going up and down his staircase at 11 o'clock every night. Um, which is really interesting. Um, I definitely am going to be set up there and, and looking forward to see if uh, I can get some video or some EVP or, or hear the footsteps, which I think should be really, really cool. Um, there's a bridge that's a stone's throw from his house that has had numerous suicides. People have leapt from a, a bridge on the interstate down to the road below. It's about a 200-foot drop. Um, kind of an infamous place in our area for uh, people that have... Uh, taking that step. Um, and also, I'm not sure exactly when it happened, but he said the house next door burned down at some point and that uh, a lady lost her life in the fire. Um, I really like it when I have the opportunity to go out and do these things because I find a lot of times if there is someone there, um, there's a message that they want to get across. There's something that's left undone. Um you know, and in addition to being sensitive to those things on my own, a lot of times I'm able to get uh, EVP, which is electronic voice phenomena, where sometimes you can get recordings of uh, what so- sounds like someone talking. Uh, sometimes I've cap- captured things in, in pictures and on video. 
um, you know, and every situation is a little bit different. You know, I kind of have to get there and uh, use what I call my spotty sense to kind of figure out what the best approach is going to be. Um, and that's something that I'm really excited about. Like I said, I haven't done one in far too long, so I'm, I'm really anxious to get back into it tonight. But that's going to do it for this week of the Treehouse of Liberty podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in once again. Again, if you'd like to contact the show, you can do so at our new Facebook page. It is the Treehouse of Liberty podcast on Facebook. You can also send a message or post on my personal page. It's Jason Fornwalt, Jason F as in Frank, O-R-N as in Nancy, W-A-L-T as in Tom. Or if you wish, you can send me an email. My email address is jdfornwalt. That's J-D, F as in Frank, O-R-N as in Nancy, W-A-L-T as in Tom, at gmail.com. Ladies and gentlemen, I hope you're having a great one, whatever time of day or night it is, wherever you are. Thanks so much again for joining me, and I hope to see you next time. Thank you. Bye-bye.